Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us wherever you're listening in around the state this afternoon or worldwide as we stream the show live, of course, every day. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Opening segment of today's show, as it is every day, sponsored by our good buddies at Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Just want to remind you every day of how important it is to support our local restaurants like Dickie's. Dickie's is uh, serving great food seven days a week. You can get it through the drive-thru. You can uh, go online to Dickie's.com, place your order, uh, and they'll have it ready for you or they'll deliver it for you. But please try to support uh, as much as you can our local restaurants like Dickie's. Great show today. We've got Lee Smithson, former director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. He'll be on the show a little later to update us uh, on the virus situation. Cedric Snow is a former football player with the Golden Eagles. He'll be on the show a little later. But we want to start out today, Luke Johnson, with one of mine and your favorite players, Walker Powell, the young man out of uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Just such an outstanding pitcher for the Golden Eagles and was just off to such a great start this year. Career ERA of just 3.02, 20-8 as a starting pitcher for the Golden Eagles with 250 innings and 189 strikeouts. And uh, we're real happy to have Walker Powell on the Eagle Hour. Walker, how are you, my man? I'm good. How are y'all doing? Appreciate well, it. Well, we're doing good, man. We're really glad to have you. Uh, had a chance to talk to you just a little bit before we went on the air and you know, you made such a such a good point that there are bigger things than baseball, and and we're dealing with one right now. But boy, Walker, I got to tell you, man, you you were in your stride. You know, you were holding everything together. You were you were the main guy, and uh, we could count on you for a win. Just about every time you took the mound, it, it had to be frustrating for you to have uh, this season called off as well as you were pitching. Yeah, you know, it, it it definitely was. You know, like we were talking about, I'd be lying lying saying if I wasn't upset that that season ended. You know, I think I think everybody is, especially especially those seniors. You know, um, but yeah, I, I've always been the type of pitcher. You know, to I pride myself on consistency and you know throwing strikes, filling it up. You know, trying to get you out in one pitch, whatever it may be. Uh, so yeah, I felt I felt like I was hitting my stride definitely. Um, you know, my junior and senior year, I was really starting to produce some some good uh, consistency. But you know, it is what it is, and uh, we'll just we'll see how this whole thing plans out. You know, right. So let's go back to when you were in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You told us that the coach Kaye met you at a at a summer ball tournament. He was there. You and actually, you pitched against Nick Sandlin. Is that what I understood you to say? Yeah, uh, it, was, it was Coach Federico. Coach so Federico, yeah. Summer, yeah, I was in a summer ball tournament in Atlanta. And I was pitching against uh, Nick Sandlin's team, and uh, he was actually he was leading off. I think he, I think he uh, hit a single off me or something. But Coach Federico, he was there watching Sandlin, so kind of crossed paths there. Um, and you know, he saw me pitching, he liked me, and got my information. Uh, we our uh, relationship kind of 
took off from there. So did you cool. did you have ever envisioned uh, coming as far? And I'm, I'm familiar with where you're from because I lived up uh, in the Mississippi Delta for a long time, long way mm-hmm. from here to Fayetteville. Could you have ever pictured coming this far south to play baseball and then having the the great level of success that you had? No, uh, if you would have asked me in high school if I would you know would, would come to Southern Miss, I probably would have you know didn't didn't know too much about Southern Miss, uh, and I find that with a lot of my friends actually that you know they they know about them now you know so I, I go here, but uh, people up in uh, Fayetteville, you know they're they're born and bred you know Arkansas Razorbacks, you know so that's all they really know and SEC and all that, and uh, so yeah, it was. If you asked me back then if, about Southern Miss, I wouldn't know too much. Probably wouldn't have wanted wanted to come here. But you know, I'm greatest decision in my life is coming here, and I'm glad. Uh, you know how everything worked out. So, so, so are we, young man, uh, Luke Walker Powell. Walker, um, when I played football at Southern Miss, there were a lot of guys that listed at six five, six four, but when you stood next to them, they were about six two. I think you are legit six seven. That's the truth, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, six seven, six eight with spikes on. That's, uh. <laughs> so you go taller in in shoes. That, that that's good to know. We were talking yeah. about um, off air, and I talked to Christian Ostrander about this before. You know, one of the things that really um, just is hard for batters to face with you is because um, with a with a six two six one pitcher, uh, they were their release point is a little back uh, further than than what yours is. Your fastball got on people so quick, and that really set up your off speed. That's kind of been your uh, your mo the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with, with my uh, my fastball is it's a natural cutter, so. It's automatically going to have that late late cut action on it, um, and whenever I'm getting that tilt, you know, like releasing the ball, like high three quarter slot, um, you know, my fastball is not, you know, a Gabe Shepard fastball, you know, 95 miles an hour, but it's uh, I think like with my leverage and you know the the way the ball I release the ball and the deception it has, you know, it makes that 89 90 mile an hour fastball look, you know, 90 91 92, you know, if I if I'm clicking with all the other pitches and, you know, getting everything else set up right. You have had a storied career at Southern Miss, and because of your, your arm surgery, you, you got that extra year. When you look back, you've been in the same weekend rotations as the guy you just mentioned, Gabe Shepard, Kurt McCarty, Nick Sandlin, Taylor Braley. It's pretty amazing the type of arms that have come and, and been in the black and gold the last few years, especially during your career. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of pitching against, you know, Gabe and Nick and Taylor and Kirk, those guys you just said. Um, you know, I came in with Sandlin, and, yeah, he started out as our closer. And I remember watching that guy go from the closer to the Friday night guy and just watching him be so dominant. And that was, you know, that was, that was something real cool to see. You know, I'll never, I'll never forget watching him pitch. So, so we have to ask was, you this. Did he have, the, uh, go ahead, go did ahead, he have the nastiest stuff that you've ever seen, Walker? Who's that, Sandlin? Sandlin. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. He's definitely top, top two, top three, probably I've ever seen. No question. A couple more questions before we run out of time. I, I got to take you back to the regional when you had an opportunity to go back home, and I and I I know what people are like in Arkansas, how they love the Razorbacks. What was that like for you to go back there and and pitch against the Arkansas Razorbacks, Walker? 
Well, uh, I never got a chance to actually pitch against them uh, through that Sunday game against Dallas Baptist. Right, but just right. being being in that uh, that environment against them, yeah, that was that was what I came to Southern Miss to do. You know, um, I was I was so happy when they when they uh, you know said we we're going back to Fayetteville for the regional. Um, you know, that's that's what you dream of. You want to go back and beat that you know hometown team, whoever that may be, and. So, I mean, it didn't work out for us, but it was definitely a, a fun experience, one that I'll never forget. Well, and you played in some pretty good atmospheres here, too, as well, didn't you? No question. Absolutely. Were you a little taken back at the fans of the Southern Miss baseball fans when you first got down here? I was, yeah. Especially, yeah, seeing the the roost and all the trucks pulled up. And it's, <laughs> you, can't, you can't get much better, you know, atmosphere than that. You know, what – you can have a big stadium, all that, you know, this concession, whatever it may be, all this nice stuff. But, you know, as far as just solely baseball atmosphere, Southern Miss is, you know, top top notch in the country. You know, um, it doesn't matter what anybody says. It's, it's, when you play there, you you kind of you understand it more, and it's 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 awesome. All right, I got one more question. What time for one more? And, and you sort of talk to me a little bit about this before we go on the air. Uh, obviously, your season is interrupted. Apparently, you're, there's going to be another year of eligibility for seniors. Tell our listeners, if you will, what you shared with us, that you're not closing the door to coming back. Yeah, uh, yeah, just like I was telling y'all. I mean, you know, with with me being 23 years old, and if I got an opportunity to play professional baseball, then I, you know, I feel like my age, that would kind of, you know, call for me to take that path and, you know, go that route. Um, but, you know, if it doesn't happen, then, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, like Coach Barry says, just stay in the fire, roll with the punches, and I'll come back another year. And, you know, I don't uh, have any, you know, either way it, uh, it's going to work out. So, Well, let me, let me say this on behalf of all Southern Miss baseball fans to you, son. If you get that, if you get that professional opportunity and you pursue it, we'll be your biggest fans. But if you come back, we'll be the happiest fans that there could be to have you back for another year. <laughs> yes, sir. I appreciate that. Thank All right. You. Well, listen, man. We want to thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you've done for our beloved baseball program. You're you're a true Golden Eagle forever, Walker. And um, who knows? Maybe we see you back next year. But uh, if not, best of luck to you. Absolutely. Thank you all for everything y'all do. Appreciate it. All right. Walker Powell, everybody, one of the best-spoken kids you'll hear. And uh, what a pitcher, Luke Johnson. He has just done the job at Southern Miss. Absolutely. And if even if you're Michael Jordan, you still have to look up to Walker Powell. <laughs> there you go. All right. Eagle Hour continues after this. Southern Miss to the top. 
It was great to talk to Walker Powell in that previous segment, and whatever happens with that young man, we will wish him uh, the best and continue to cheer for him as his baseball uh, career continues. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Right now, go on campusbookmark.net and order uh, the latest uh, swag to cheer on uh, the black and gold. And a lot of reminiscing going on right now. You can maybe find some old uh, Southern Miss uh, games, uh, baseball, football, basketball on YouTube or something, and uh, when you do, wear that sweet swag from Campus Bookmark. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel now joining us on the phone, Cedric Snow. Cedric was a linebacker uh, for the Golden Eagles in 2017, hailing from Newton, Mississippi. Cedric, how's your uh, week going? Man, it's going pretty good, man. Been enjoying it. Been so you're from it. Newton, and uh, when you came out of, of Newton, and we always got to ask people kind of from the central part of the state, be honest with us, when you grew up, were you a rebel, a bulldog, an eagle, or what were you? To be completely honest, when I came out, I was a I was a bulldog. I loved Mississippi State. I wanted to play for them so bad. But just Well, we'll, time, we'll forgive you for that. Yeah. <laughs> he saw the light. He saw the light, Luke. <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> So uh, you, you're from Newton, and uh, you went to East Central right there um, in Decatur. Uh, during your years there as a linebacker, um, it, the, the recruiting process a little different in JUCO. How did you end up signing with the Golden Eagles out of uh, East Central? Well, you want to know what? When I was at East Central, I didn't know where I was going to go. So I was, like, having a whole bunch of doubts because, like, I didn't want to go too far away, and I always wanted to be, like, the three, the big three in Mississippi. So – I want to do it so much. So what I did was Southern Miss didn't even come for me at East Central. What happened was I sent my film to Southern Miss. And then, like, a week later, Coach Peck called me and was like, hey, I want to see you. And I was like, all right. So I went up there, and as soon as I walked through the door, he looked at me, he started smiling. He looked at my daddy and said, this is a big one you got here, ain't it? <laughs> I was like, and then I was like, I think I'm gonna like it here. That's good. That's so good uh, you you came to Southern Miss and talk for a moment before we talk Southern Miss. Talk to us a moment. You, you played Mississippi JUCO. Uh, if you, you throw it in there, it's the same with Texas, Kansas, California. I mean, the Mississippi Junior College football Mac Jack is pretty impressive. You you played with guys that went to D one on a, on an interstate, even guys that played in the NFL. Mississippi JUCO is pretty amazing to be a part of. Man, you want to know it really is. Like, and one thing I got to say about East Central and a lot of the JUCOs that I heard from, man, the brotherhood is amazing there. It's because like, like most people call it like the thirteenth grade, but. Man, when I went to East Central, I was never a part of such a brotherhood before. Because in Newton, we were I was a good player, but my team wasn't good. It's like we had a whole bunch of people that didn't like to work out and all that stuff. And when I got to East Central, it was just like everybody saw the big picture. It's like you would come out yeah. of your dorm room and you would look around and be like, Hey man, I need some food, and somebody give you some. You will give them some, and then y'all run and practice, laugh and joke. And it was just like, like the first time I was introduced to a brotherhood. It was tough. Now, I have to say, it yeah. was really tough. But in the end, JUCO Mississippi JUCO is what it is, man. It's beautiful. 
I know Bob's got a couple questions for you, but you, you came to Southern Miss and uh, that first spring in 2017, Coach Hop uh, had, had been there going into um, his second year there. And then kind of the, the, the world falls out from under you, man. Let our listeners know what happened to you that spring. Well, I went to Southern Miss, and it was just a regular day at practice, and I was I got in on my rip, and it was, I think the running back name was Colin, and he flared out. And so my job was to make sure I was over top of the running back. I had to be with the running back. So he flared out into a little flat route, and I went out there to him, and they threw him the ball, and when they threw him the ball, he caught it and, like, turned and, like, went back the other way, and my foot got stuck in the ground. And I tore my knee up real bad. At the time when it happened, I just thought I'd like jammed it a little bit. But when they seen and went inside, they was like, I tore my ACL, my NCL, both of my meniscus. I had like my bones wow. hit each other and I had a pothole in there. Hmm. And I was just, it was just terrible. I've never seen nothing swell up like a watermelon before. Hmm. How tough was that rehab, Cedric? How, how, how long does it take to recover from something like that? It took a while. It took about a year of me rehabbing. Mm-hmm. Like, Mr. Todd, Todd McCall, let me tell you something. That is one, that is one determined man. <laughs> and he came yes. and he made sure he was on me every day. He was like, hey, hey, Big Daddy, if you want to get back right, I can get you back there. I just need you to come in every day. And me being the way I am, I came in every day and I gave him all I had. And just at the end, it was just, it just couldn't get back to where I needed it to be. Right. Just hard to overcome sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back to JUCO football for just a moment. I, you know, try to put in perspective. Uh, I, I know a little bit about that in a, in a past life long, long before you were here. But uh, okay. it's it's tough. I mean, when you go from high school and you're on a junior college football team, you find out what getting hit is about. You find out what – at least it was my experience of what really tough football is like. Was that your? Was that the feeling you got when when you first entered the JUCO ranks? Yes. One thing I've noticed when I got to JUCO, it was like everything was faster. It was very fast. Mm-hmm. People like usually teams in high school you go and they have offensive linemen that's like six two or. 5'11", 5'2", and they'd be short fellas, not real big. But, man, I ain't going to forget the first game that I played and I stepped in there and the whole front line of offensive linemen were like 6'6", 6'7", 320. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> These some big fellas to be trying to hit on. Right Now, what size guy were you? I was six foot, 220 pounds. Oh, so was it, you were you playing against a lot of guys a lot bigger than you then? Oh yeah, yeah, they were pretty big. All right, so but, you so you wanted to you wanted to go to Mississippi State, but you end up at Southern Miss, and and we're going to trust now, Cedric, that 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 Mississippi State, uh, whatever you want to call that, that infliction that at one point in your life had fling, yeah, that, that's fling that's disappeared, right? You're strictly a black and gold man now. Man, you better believe it. <laughs> Man, because at my job, there'd be a whole bunch of people that walk in with, like, Mississippi State stuff on. And I'd be like, hey, man, you got to take that off. We don't do that around these parts. <laughs> We've had some similar instances like that around here, to tell you the truth. 
uh, regarding one of the schools up north, and we've had to advise some people that's not really kosher here because uh, we're, we're Southern Miss folks too. So, Cedric, what are you doing now, my man? Well, now I'm still I'm still a student at Southern Miss, uh-huh. and I'm trying to get my exercise science degree so I can become a head strength and conditioning coach. Good, good, good. So you're in Hattiesburg now? Yes, sir. Okay. All right, last question for me. Uh, no spring football this year, and, and as a guy that's come through it all, junior college, high school, college football, how big a handicap is that going to be for new guys coming in here Maybe it's their first or second year to miss spring football, Cedric. Man, you want to know what? Spring is very important. Like, spring is where you get, like, that's like a crash course. It's like you get a taste of what you're going to get in the fall when they get here. And it's really, like, open your eyes to be like, okay, junior college or high school with this speed, now I got to get up to this speed, you know? Mm-hmm. But without that, without this spring, it's like they're going to just get through into the fire. So it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be harder for the younger players. Am I right? Than it may be the juniors and the seniors to miss spring ball. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. So, so that that's that's the most important time when you're young. Yes. I got you. All right, Luke. You have anything for this young man? Cedric, we just want to appreciate you coming on today, man, and and uh, thanks for sharing your story. You know, not everybody turns out um, like a Jamie Collins and a Nick Mullins, but at the same time, every single person that puts on that black and gold is a golden eagle for life. And, man, we appreciate uh, you continuing your education, even though football's uh, not in the equation anymore, and, and I'm really proud that you have converted to a golden eagle. Thanks for coming on the Eagle Hour today, man. <laughs> And it's, uh, hey, thank y'all for having me. Hey, and great personality, young man. So we're, we're glad to have you in the Southern Miss family. No question about that. Best of luck to you, Cedric. Hey, thank y'all. All right, man. Cedric Snow, everybody, from uh, <laughs> from Central Mississippi and, and now a die-in-the-wool golden nigga. What a personality, uh, Luke Johnson. These kids, it's so much fun to talk to these kids because they just, they all have such great personalities. I'm just, yeah, I'm just really thankful. He was as honest as he was on both ends. Right. Coming out, yeah, he's Mississippi State, forevermore a Golden Eagle. Right. By the way, real quickly, Luke, got a really nice uh, message this morning from Coach McNellis about all these uh, young basketball players that we're introducing. And uh, uh, she said two things. She said that she loves those girls, and she did admit she's pretty tough on them uh, at times. So, uh, did, we, did she also uh, admit was she going to let everybody off the hook to know that she's quiet on an airplane? No, she did fly with Joy Lee and everything's going to be okay? She did not bring that up. No, she did not. But it was good to hear from Coach, and uh, she admitted she, she can be tougher than her exterior would lead you to believe. All right, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about some serious stuff. Lee Smithson going to join us here next on the Eagle Hour. Stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're with us this afternoon. And uh, we want to thank, of course, Cedric Snow and Walker Powell for joining us uh, in the first half of the program. All right, we're going to turn a little serious now. Before we do that, one quick reminder about 4th Street Bar and Grill. Again, every day we want to remind you to support our local restaurants like 4th Street. Uh, they've got takeout service you can pull right up to their front door. You can place your order over the phone. Give them a call. They'll bring it right out to your car. Uh, There's no contact with anybody. 
and uh, the food is hot and delicious, and uh, we encourage you to support 4th Street Bar and Grill at all the Hattiesburg, uh, well, statewide restaurants that uh, are suffering uh, from the situation that we're all in. Lee Smithson uh, returns to the show. He, of course, is the former executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. He was on the show last week. Uh, very grateful to have him back this week. First of all, uh, thank you very much uh, for your time, Lee. Are we are, are are we in a better place today than when we uh, when we talked to you last week on the Eagle Hour? Well, Bob, first again, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, and the answer to your question, the short answer to your question is yes. We are much better off. Uh, today that we were last week when I was on the show. Uh, as we all know, the governor imposed a statewide executive uh, order for a shelter in place, and it really looks like Mississippians have taken that very, very seriously. Uh, people are staying home. People are getting out for the most part only for uh, uh, essential type things, of course, going to the grocery store, to the pharmacy. So we've seen uh, what was expected to be our peak in numbers, that, that height of the curve, that apex, uh, has really been adjusted downward uh, very, very significantly. So that has got to be considered good news and that people are, are doing what they're supposed to do. All right, but there's a word of caution in that, is there not? Well, there's totally a word of caution in that. Uh, first of all, you know, we are uh, we're at 2,000 cases uh, 88 new cases overnight with uh, uh, eight new deaths for a total of 67 uh, Mississippians who have died due to uh, COVID-19. So, uh, you know, the projections of the, the curve hitting the peak on April 19th is based exclusively on social distancing, the stay-at-home policy being in place. My concern and that of many other uh, Mississippians is that uh, people will start to get complacent. People will will see the the positive results, and then feel that it's okay to um, to start going back out and going back out with without gloves on, without a mask on, that kind of thing. So it's it, flattening the curve is really incumbent on people uh, staying staying home as much as possible. All right, Luke. Lee, thanks uh, so much for for coming on. It seems like the models, even nationally today, are are coming down. And you know, from a from a state standpoint, uh, we we talked to you last week right before the shelter in place went in. But I mean, help our help our under listeners understand. Nobody in state government wants to tell somebody, you know, especially here in Mississippi where we're we're freedom galore. I mean, we we believe in all of our constitutional rights. No one as a state official, you know, takes joy in telling people that they need to stay home. Uh, we have to do this. And, and the people of Mississippi, it looks like, have cooperated and understood that for the last week. Yeah, Luke, and that's the thing is, you know, Mississippians, we are team players. Uh, we do uh, enjoy uh, our, our, our constitutional rights, but we don't want to infringe on other people. I think that we've always been good about that. So, uh when Governor Reeves came out last Wednesday and said he was going to impose uh, the shelter in place at five o'clock on uh, Friday afternoon, he's our leader and he's done a pretty good job so far. So people uh, adhered to that. But as with anything, boredom is going to set in. So uh, time will tell. Uh, the governor has done a very good job with his daily press conferences. Uh, his latest uh, press conference from yesterday. Uh, is really starting to focus on that uh, that mental health uh, aspect of it uh, because people are starting to climb, you know climb the walls and want to get out. So 
it's going to be important to continue that message of stay at home, but it's also going to be important uh, to continue to push for testing. You know, right now the state has done just a little over 20,000 people have been tested. Uh, So that's, uh, you know, 10% of those tested came up positive. Uh, But what's a disturbing number is uh, 30% of everyone um, who tested positive, so the 2,000 cases, uh, positive cases, 30% of those needed to be hospitalized. So for perspective, that's 600 people that have been hospitalized uh, due to to COVID-19. If those numbers continue to, to increase every day, we could see a shortage in, in hospital beds right now. That's not projected, but those numbers, again, are based on people sheltering in place. So, and then I'll just give you a, a couple of other numbers. Uh, I don't want to be too number-centric because then people stop listening uh, unless we're talking about sports numbers. But, you know, Alabama, with a population of four, uh, 4.8 million uh, people, is expected to have uh, 923 deaths. Uh, from COVID-19, Mississippi, with a population just under 3 million, is expected to have 237 deaths. So uh, you look at our demographics in Mississippi and Alabama, and they are pretty close. So why is there a big difference in numbers uh, between Alabama and Mississippi? So right now, you know, the numbers are all over the place. And really, if we have a population of two point, a little bit less than 2.9 million, what I would like to see is 2.9 million people eventually get tested uh, for COVID-19. Uh, and, and eventually, I mean, you know, just as soon as we possibly can. Because, again, if, if I test positive for COVID-19 but I never had any symptoms, well, then I'm not going to get it. I'm in, in essence, I'm immune to it. I have the antibodies. I can go back out. I can go to work. I can help people out uh, without fear of either infecting them or getting infected myself, and that's really where we're going to need to be to get our economy back up and running. And that's the next big hurdle that we've got is getting our economy uh, started back up again and, and getting Mississippians back to work. So there are different areas in the state you know, that are, that are experiencing this to a different degree, and one that jumps out at me is DeSoto County with 144 cases, virtually, what, three times what there is, say, in Forest County. Why are, is that all related to population, uh, Lee? Is that why DeSoto County is uh, is experiencing such an outbreak of this stuff? Well, I think that's only part of the equation that, that DeSoto County has got such a high number. First of all, it's got a high population density, but their proximity to, to Memphis, which is so a metropolitan area, well over a million people. But then I think that the biggest thing is, is just the availability of, availability of testing. So far, you know, the bigger the urban area, the more robust the healthcare system is uh, to be able to test people who are showing symptoms of COVID-19. So I think that that the proximity to Memphis, it being a pretty central hub, you know, you've got two major interstate systems coming through there, uh, but it's it's just a combination of of population density, availability of testing, and then proximity to people to one another so the, the population is is more dense than it is in forest county or oh. uh, you know rural area similar to what you guys are seeing on the coast and the proximity to new orleans and mobile correct absolutely and you know that so that's the thing is is uh 
you know, it, it's, it's just a combination of factors. And I think that on the coast, uh, one of the issues why we've seen so many is because of its, its proximity to New Orleans and Mardi Gras, which we all know was one of the many uh, epicenters of COVID-19 in the country. That's very unfortunate uh, that, that, that Mardi Gras was the catalyst for it. But I mm-hmm. think that when we see how contagious COVID-19 is, you know, there's not going to be any one area uh, that is that is immune to getting it. I think that, uh, you know, because people were contagious before they ever showed symptoms, uh, it's going to be throughout the state. It's just that a matter of really testing, catching up with the people who are confirmed. And the other thing, you know, a positive uh, test of COVID-19, and you got to think about it, Right now, especially with the drive-through testing, is first of all you have to have symptoms. You have to have a fever. You have to have a cough. You got to feel bad, but then you still have to be motivated to get up, get in your car, go sit in line for an hour or so to get tested. Versus uh, many, many people we know are sick at home uh, and are not getting tested. So the the, the number of tests we've had in Mississippi, while twenty thousand sounds. Uh, pretty robust, you know, that's just a drop in the bucket. If we've got a population of 3 million people, right. um, it, it's just not it's not enough. And that's where we're really going to start beating COVID-19 before uh, a vaccine comes out is, is having our testing capability to get out and saturate the entire state. All right, just 20 seconds left. Where do you think, what do you see coming down the road? Where do you think we'll be, let's say, come June? Well, I think that uh, come June, the testing is going to catch up with it, and then we're going to have a very good plan in place for people who uh, are are continuing to be negative for it, to stay isolated, people who have had it and recovered, get them back to work and get our economy going. But again, it's key. uh, The testing, getting out to every single Mississippian is what's really going to allow us, uh, the governor specifically, to make great decisions on how we get our economy back up and take care of each other. We really appreciate your expertise and your willingness to come on the show. We're going to call you again next week. I know our listeners will be anxious to hear from you. And uh, and thank you very much, Mr. Smithson. Bob and Luke, thank you, and y'all stay well. All right. Lee Smithson, everybody, former executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. We'll wrap things up with uh, Kelly J. Santa right after this. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Wednesday, Toyota of Hattiesburg brings you the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day. Go online at toyotaofhattiesburg.com and check out their latest inventory, also located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Kelly Sanders joins us now. Kelly, disappointing uh, for the American people. Bernie Sanders ran out of uh, money, of other people's money to spend, and so... Uh, the socialist experiment is no more. He uh, drops out of the race. Uh, somebody told me today that Joe was just biding his time until Sanders burned out. What do you have to say about it? So Biden is biding his time. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Now that now that and, and not to make light of a very serious situation, this you know the, the our current state with the virus going around, but just about everybody's getting a check of some kind now. So Bernie really has no more usefulness. Um, right. Yeah, that's a good you know, point. He's, 
going going away on the bum. So I guess he'll probably spin it like he was a winner in the long run because everybody's getting something, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, but I, I think, I mean, I think the reason he held on this long was because he knows at his age it's not it's not practical that he would run again, you know. Uh, and this is his second time to run, so. Um, so I guess it's down, and then there were two, right? And we'll find well, out. Well, here's the thing, November. Kelly. Now the poor socialist has to retire back to his three homes up on the east coast of the United States and um, continue to, uh, you know, uh, draw his big Senate salary and decide which of the three homes. Pretty good life for a socialist when you think about it. Yeah, and continue to hate rich people. Right, and continue you know, to hate rich right people, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what does that make, you know? <laughs> What does well, that make him? Yeah. 99.9% you, you, of the world, that guy's, you know. Yeah. He talks about the top 1%. Yeah, you, you He's could take the top 0.1. Yeah, yeah, guarantee you he is. You, know, you could yeah. take – I wonder if he's taking the Jameis Winston approach. Um, I wonder if he's – like Winston is saying, it is an honor now to be replaced, to be fired by Tom Brady. Yeah, that, that uh, Jameis, that was his spin on it. Uh, somebody's got to bring him back to reality. <laughs> Um, but you know, as we look at these, as we look at the, the situation we're in with the virus numbers now, you guys, and so glad as we get these reports coming daily that that the numbers of incidences, although certainly still very serious, the numbers aren't going to be close to apparently what they thought originally. And as the vice president has said, a lot of the people in this country to be given credit for that for the the things that. You know, steps that we've taken to, to make things a little bit better. But I just hope we don't get too cocky that we don't start things a little bit too soon. Right. You know, because I know there's that natural tendency to want to do that, including with Major League Baseball now contemplating this uh, plan to play in, in Arizona. But I think college football teams, uh, I know that, that some of the college football coaches yesterday were were telling their, their staffs that they expect that uh, – July 1st or certainly August 1st they'll be back to business. So yeah. although we hope that's true again let's not let's not jump the gun. By the way Kelly, I want you to know I'm going to be in touch with my attorney after the show and uh, he's going to have a chat with Winston. See, he stole that line from me many years ago. That's what I was quoted as saying when I left WDAM TV and you replaced me as the sports director that it was an honor to be replaced by you. Well, gosh, Bob, I don't think you even knew who I was at the time. Well, no, but I did. said it anyway. I, I just heard about you, man. I mean, I, you know, your reputation had preceded you. Oh, yeah, but that was just with law enforcement. You didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> in, you know, didn't talk to anybody in broadcasting. It would have been a different uh, right. different story. But right. it's good uh, Good you guys got to talk to Cedric Snow, a really good guy. Uh, and his, his little brother, Savaris, played at, uh, at Pearl River. So you talk about, I think there's four snow boys from up there in Newton County and all of them, you know, great football players. So it's good to. Good hey, and, to and Walker Powell broke a little bit of news with us today too, Kelly. He said that, um, you know, if if professional baseball comes calling, that at his age he feels like he needs to go. But if that doesn't work out, that uh, he all but said he'll come back and pitch another year here in Hattiesburg. Wow, I know, I I know <clears throat> there'll be a fifty fifty shot for folks wanting him to be able to succeed right. at the professional level, but. You know, wanting to make sure the Eagles have somebody they can count right. on. Yeah, you'd kind of yeah. like to see him come back another year if you possibly could, right? Oh, yeah. I don't, don't think anybody would have it any other way. 
You know, oh, you're exactly. He right. uh, he actually clarified it that when he wears spikes, he's six foot eight. Yeah, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. You saw where the basketball team did, and we mentioned this briefly yesterday that they got uh, another uh, commit from the basketball team, a six seven forward from Estonia, no. Mark Jackson, um, over in Europe. Yeah, so um, we'll be getting more news about some of those guys coming up. But you know, officially on the high school level, officially things have not been canceled yet. That's you know, crazy. but again, um, I would hope they would not jump the gun and get back too quickly. And really, the calendar is is running out, as it turns out. But right, right. So you're quarantined, right, Kelly? You're keeping the blinds closed and you're indoors and all of that, right? Well, my neighbors insisted upon the blinds. Right, I can um, understand why being closed. Because, mm-hmm. um, like I said, I usually walk around in my underwear and a Megadeth T-shirt. Um, which. <laughs> <laughs> and there's an image that I'll have a hard time getting out of my head. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to make things easier for people, not worse. I probably shouldn't have said that. But, All right. On, uh, the, on the show tomorrow, Dr. Mark Horn from South Central Regional Medical Center. Kelly and I will be holding the fort down tomorrow as Luke will be out, and uh, we'll look forward to that. Until tomorrow at 1 o'clock, everybody, Southern Miss. To the top. Into the future I want to fly like an eagle To the sea Fly like an eagle Let my spirit carry me I want to fly like an eagle Till I'm free Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.